Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I am excited to be back as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, I have a friend of mine, Amanda Bowman. She's going to be sharing with us in just a few moments, and I'm excited about this conversation because we're going to be talking about what we're looking for in a youth pastor. And we're going to look at this over the course of three episodes. She's going to bring to us this idea of what she's looking for as a volunteer, and then we're going to talk to a pastor and a parent. So as we, working with student ministries um, and students, have the opportunity to figure out who we need to be, we can have a better perspective. And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few episodes. Now, before we get into that, I want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is engaging, it's inspiring, it's challenging, it's all those things. And it's a great place for you to send your students as they look at the next step in their educational journey. It has a Christ focus, and they can find out more information at cbc.edu. Again, I want to say welcome to Amanda. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Amanda, you have been a friend for several years. You were my ministry assistant at Calvary Baptist Church, and it just feels like yesterday when you guys left, you're now living out west. And so, Amanda, it is great and for me to see that you're still serving and working with students in volunteer position. And so that's the reason I wanted to have you on for your unique perspective. You always have a unique perspective, don't you? According to you. <laughs> Yes, according to me, and I know you do. So, um, but to to help our listeners out and let them get to know you a little bit better as we start this conversation, tell us how you met Jesus. So, I was saved when I was seven years old in a very small church near Fayetteville, about thirty minutes away, and um, I had told my mom that I wanted to be saved, and in my mind, it was about two weeks of her questioning me. Um, I don't think it was that long, but she she asked me questions and made sure that I actually understood what I was asking, what, what was going on in my head. And then she got convicted because she was stopping me from being saved. And, um, you know, I did the whole walk the aisle. Paul Young out of Summers actually was the one who was preaching that day. And he tried to explain to me that salvation was a gift and so he used his watch as an example and said, if I give this to you, what is it? And I couldn't get past that it was a watch and it never stopped being a watch. <laughs> so that went straight over my head, but I got saved. And then actually kind of how I not really re-met Jesus, but how I kind of started my relationship with Jesus on my own was in college at the student ministry there at the U of A at ABS. So what does ABS stand for? The Association of Baptist Students, which is now run by Mr. Stuart Estes, who is um, Mr. My Best Friend. <laughs> it is a, it's a great ministry there on the campus. 
Um, I love the work that Stuart's doing. We've had him on a couple of times. The Association of Baptist Students is a group that is sponsored by the BMA, the Baptist Missionary Association of the Ozarks. Uh, but there are branches or uh, ministry points at several different universities across the country. Um, it's just a great place. But so taking a step back, Amanda, when you were in high school, who was investing in you spiritually? So at our church, we didn't really have a youth group. Again, it was very, very small. Um, in fact, me and a cousin of mine were really the only kids that came the majority of the time. Right. Um, and so it was really our parents. We didn't have a designated youth pastor. Um, both of our parents were the ones to volunteer and did stuff with us. And so it was it was kind of family, most of all. Well, and I love that. I mean, we know that parents should be the primary disciple maker in the home. Um, but it really fleshes itself out in the smaller church because that's who's there. They Maybe it's a parent who's just willing to take two students to a concert or three to a conference. Um, but, and so even if we, as we go to our larger conference, the SOAR conference, uh, I'll see that same sort of thing happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be one parent there with maybe five students and they'll be walking around and they, you know that they all crammed into a little van and drove down here and joined, enjoyed um, the time together. And so it's just a, it's a powerful thing to see. Now, you did talk about college and, and what that looked like for you, that you got involved in a really a parachurch organization that was there on the campus. How did you stay strong in your faith? How did you grow during that period? So one of the main reasons, um, I'm laughing because I have to tell a pre-story to get to this story. Oh, um, yeah. My best friend and I decided, she was two years older than me, I believe, Um, And we decided going into college that we wanted to encourage each other. We wanted to make sure that we were both um, going to church and doing Bible studies and really growing in our faith. And she became my best friend because I met her at church camp. I did not meet her first. I met her little brother first, who I had a ginormous crush on, Um, thought he was just the bee's knees and like, you know, was in love, little teenage love. And then I met the rest of the family and I met my best friend and I was like, you're so much better. Like, let's just be best <laughs> And so that was kind of how we got started as best friends, which is always kind of goofy because you hear those church camp romances. Um, and so when we decided that we wanted to be involved, um, we decided to check out ABS together. And we felt um, very welcomed. At the time, the directors were Warren Dugas and Brad Harris. And it just, it just really clicked with both of us. And so I was attending her church and helping um, with the youth group there and going to ABS. So that combination of serving and learning and fellowship, is that combination kind of what did it for you? Definitely. Um, and I got to see... So during my college years, as a, as a sophomore in college, my dad died at the very end of the fall semester, and it spoke volumes to me whenever we got back that um, several people from that student ministry came to my dad's funeral. Um, I got several text messages in and around that of they were praying with me, asking what my mom and I needed, and he had been sick for a long time, so even even in that freshman through the time that he died, I learned that the the 
family of God, your church family, does not end at the walls of your home church. Mm, yeah. um, I saw what a good church really can look like and work work well with at ABS. And not that I didn't have that growing up, but there was no one else my age. And so I never really had that example until I got to college. And seeing that and seeing the hunger and seeing people really want to be there and show up and learn as much as they can pushed me to really make my faith my own and decide what I wanted to do. You know, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to include the link to the Association of Baptist Students at the University of Arkansas on our show notes, uh, so that if you have a college student who is headed to the U of A or looking for some answers and maybe some direction on the college that they're headed to, reach out to Stuart Estes. He's he is a, a great guy, but he more than that, he is a concerned follower of Christ, and he wants to invest in students. And so just encourage you to do that, to, to reach out to him. Now that you're out of college, you've gotten married, you have a child, you are living your life far away from friends and family. Uh, how do you stay strong in your faith now? Um, so the two things that have really helped me, of course, my husband um, he's a very, very intelligent man who really has a heart for God and for serving in the church. Um, in fact, we kind of have three levels of our church commitments. And it's a personal commitment of how we are called to serve the church. It is a marital commitment of how we together are called to serve the church. And then we have a family commitment of how the whole family is called to serve the church. And so that is one way that I have kept my faith strong is because I have a really great husband who helps me. The other way is really plugging into local churches. For the first um, probably two or three months that we moved, it was very, very hard because we were away from everything that we had ever known. And I was, it was a very, very cool kind of God moment that we had visited some different churches. And the first Sunday my husband and I walked into our current church, we just knew it was where we belonged. And not just because we went from Dan and his Superman office to our lead pastor Bill and his Batman office. Um, <laughs> that definitely did give us all a giggle. But we, we found a place that was theologically rich. There, there were places that we could plug in and serve. And there were also places that we could um, plug in kind of to be served. That sounds very strange, but different Bible studies and children's organizations and men's organizations. And then I was very lucky to have a really great group of women there who we kind of, it's not quite discipling, but we just live life together. And yeah. they have helped me. It, it feels very similar to when I was in college that that group mindset of we want to serve God. And when we have the tough questions, we can talk about them without fear of being judged or without fear of um, like turning people away from God. Um, and it's just been the people of God's church seem to have helped me the most. Well, one of the reasons that I wanted you to tell a little bit of your story and where you're at and where you've been is so that our listeners could understand that as you share these concepts, you, it's something you've thought about. You've, you've spent some time with it. I love the concept of what you just shared, of having a personal commitment, a marital commitment, and then a family commitment. Where did you come up with that concept? Is that 
from you and your smart husband, <laughs> Dr. Bowman? <laughs> or is that something that, that you've run across along the way? So it actually started when I was working at Calvary um, as the ministry assistant. I had a very hard time knowing where my job ended and where my personal calling work, um, work in the church, my volunteering, if we'll, we'll use right, that term, right. began. That mixed with me being what seemed to be the head of the household because I was involved in everything in the church. Um, I was the one that people would come to simply because I worked there. Right. And in talking to my husband about this, because as we know, the man should be the head of the household. He should be the spiritual lead. I felt kind of convicted that I wasn't letting him do that. Mm. And so I, we sat down and talked about it. And his response was, you have your calling. I have my calling. And then we have our calling together. And that, you know, his calling is not to be in front of everyone and to talk about things unless he's singing. And he really kind of nailed that concept down when he said, yes, my calling is to be the head of our household in our spiritual development. But our families right now is for you to be more involved in the church than I am. And that was kind of where that started was at that time, that's how our family could serve. And he could serve by leading me. Both you and your husband have been fantastic volunteers when you're here at Calvary. And I know that you've gotten involved in the church that you're at now. And so you volunteered at least at three different ministry settings. That's at least. Uh, but what keeps you coming back to student ministry? The students themselves. Um, they are such a fun group. And honestly, I may get some hate for this because they're the least liked group from a lot of volunteers. The middle schoolers, I love the middle schoolers, specifically the middle school girls. They are nuts, but they are so much fun. Oh, and I love them. They are just at this beautiful point of loving to ask some really strange questions. And yeah, I say strange yeah. as in um, not like not bad, not anything like that, but really beginning to make their faith their own. They're finally mm -hmm. beginning to realize they have a say in it. And they're just, I love how they, their minds work. I love that in this beginning to take hold of their faith, they're also realizing that they like boys and that they're coming into their own and seeing the, the, the many adults that they are going to become one day. It's just so yeah. cool to me. It is a lot. It is. <laughs> I'll put it that way. As, as the parent of a girl that was a middle school girl. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, they're hot messes. They're, uh, thank you. That's that's a perfect description. Yep. <laughs> but it's also why people like you love them. I mean, it's... Because um, I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> volunteering, again, it's, it's what we're talking about. It's this idea of you as a volunteer, your perspective as a volunteer... What are you, were you looking for in a youth pastor when you moved out to where you're at now, out West? My question is, when you were deciding, okay, I want to serve, but I have more of a say now. I can kind of look and say, I'm going to serve with this youth pastor. What, what type of things are you hoping to see in a youth pastor in the church as a volunteer? A strong theological base. Okay. Um, that's, you know, number one. And along with that, the desire to continue learning. Somebody who will not shut you down immediately if you question something that they say, or they don't shut down your own opinions. 
um, right, or your right. own thoughts. And then on top of that, somebody who truly loves the kids and who loves their job, because if they don't love their job, it's going to be awful to volunteer for them. Yeah. You know, somebody who understands the value of the student ministry, the youth group, um, somebody who understands that this is the next generation of the church. And in today's day and age, you're going to have to talk about really tough topics And you are going to have to share your own experience. You're going to have to open up or else you won't get anywhere. Those are probably my top goals, I guess, in looking at youth pastors to potentially serve with. Well, Amanda, as we look at these things, as we go back to them, let me ask you some questions about those. One of those that you mentioned was being theologically sound and always learning. Does that mean in your mind that all youth pastors should have a Bible college or a seminary degree? Oh, gosh, no. No. Some of the most impressive and theologically sound people that I have come across have no formal training. And I say that not wanting to negate the the addition that extra education can take. Um, I know you're working on a higher degree. My current youth pastor is working on his PhD. Really theological sound theologically sound to me is just number one, knowing their basics and being able to explain that at a middle school or high school level. And then the always learning is, you know, reading books on certain topics, whether it's Bible studies or like edification books to edify themselves, whether it is researching um, secular topics. I know recently Um, Our youth pastor here did a study on gender. And so he went the whole gambit. He went through um, some secular books, uh, secular articles to Christian perspectives to um, even some like Episcopal and um, the the new um, type of Christianity that is coming out. He did the whole gambit. And from that, he could come back to what he knew to be true, theologically soundness, and explain all of that in a way to show students what is the truth in all of this different information, that this is the truth and this is why it's the truth. So why is that important to you as a volunteer? Because one day the students will have to do the same. Ah, good. And if, if... the point of the student ministry is to prepare them for the rest of their lives. You should be doing it by example as much as, you know, teaching and talking. Well, I know that in the Bowman house, education is important. Your husband has a PhD in what is his field? What is it, Dan? I don't know. (laughs) That's the reason I asked. (laughs) Electrical engineering. Electrical. Oh, see, I thought it was much more complicated than that. Although... It's just, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he's love just him. one of those people. You know, that I think it there's great value in education. But as you mentioned, we have some smaller churches that have people who are volunteers. Mm-hmm. They are part-time bivocational people that don't have that opportunity, but they are still learning. They're reading. They're growing. They're spending time with that. And so you can gain knowledge, and you don't have to have the degree, but... We always encourage that. We're big, big fans. And one thing that uh, I love that you have done actually is doing the um, student ministry conference. 
I think that in, in and of itself is a great way to help those um, volunteer or bivocational youth pastors and even volunteers to continue their learning because you can learn from other volunteers. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, it is, it's on our heart with Student Ministry Matters um, that we continue education in whatever way we can, and that's one way. This podcast is another one of those. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned a few others, and let's just kind of walk through them. You talked about you want that youth pastor to have a, a value, place of value in student ministry itself. Flesh that out a little bit more for us. So part of that goes with loving their job and that they understand that they are teaching the next generation of, of the church. And not only the next generation, but what you are putting into your youth ministry and your students will continue to go on for generations and generations and generations to come. I think of when I was very little, I had a a woman who was probably in her 60s at the time. And the way she taught me, I have also taught others. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly at Calvary, some of the things I learned from you and Pastor Kirk I have taught others and it's just the the realization that everything you do matters and everything you do in these students' lives can be life-changing and honestly probably will be for better or worse. And so you should probably make sure it's going to be for the better. <laughs> they, they seem to remember all those things, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, they remember them. Oh yeah. And so we need to be working and serving and doing our best to honor uh, honor God and his word as we do those things. So, well, uh, you talked about being appreciative of volunteers. That's another area. Um, explain that a little bit more. How would you want to be appreciated? Let's put it this way. If you're, if your youth, current youth pastor said, I need to figure out how I can show appreciation to Amanda Bowman. Uh, what would you say? Hey, do this for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is not so much as what it can be done for you, just how they interact with you. Um, okay. I actually have taken a step back from the youth ministry here because I had my daughter and my husband does choir on Wednesday nights. And so that was a compromise that we made that he could yeah. continue to go. And this is just isn't my season to volunteer every week. But with that being said, I'm still vol- or I'm still volunteering in the background with a lot of the administrative stuff. And one thing that our youth pastor does right now is uses his words, um, a quick text of, you know, I really appreciate you doing this. And he always names what it was, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another way to show the appreciation just all the time is by listening to them and asking their opinions and, um, encouraging them, um, really just showing your volunteers that you recognize that you guys are a team. I think that's probably the best way to put it is that you are all on the same student ministry team. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of youth pastors will get into this mindset of the Lone Ranger Mm -hmm. and think that they can do it all by themselves. And one thing that I learned very early on is I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I have to ask people to join me in that process. And our students are better for it. Oh, when they really? see the youth pastor and a parent and maybe a grandparent or one of our Christian seniors who doesn't even have any students in the ministry, but they, they're they there because they love 
they love those students. Man, that's that's huge. And so, well, Amanda, let me give you a platform here for a moment. Hey. Yeah, here here it is. If you could say something to student pastors, and that's what who we're speaking to, youth ministry workers, they maybe are their full-time, part-time, bivocational volunteer, um, but you're saying to them, here's what, as as a volunteer, here's my words of encouragement. What would you say to them? Oh, words of encouragement. I thought we were going to well, go okay. in a different direction here. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe start with the direction. <laughs> Just your words for them, because you have lots of words. I do have lots of words. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll start, I'll start with the words of encouragement. Um, okay. Honestly, what you're doing matters. This is, even when you don't see the growth in your youth group, even when you don't see the immediate growth in your students, you are creating this beautiful seed because, you know, we talk about seeds in Christianity that is going to flourish one day. Even if it is just remembering that you cared about them, you will make an impact on their life. And that in, in and of itself is very easy to forget when you're in the, in the mud of it all, of doing, yeah. doing ministry week after week after week. It can be very, very hard to remember that even the little minor moments have a huge impact. It's ones that you may never get to see, but you're, you're doing good. That you, even when it feels like you're failing, you, as long as you are staying in God's will and doing your best, you are not failing. That's words of encouragement. Yeah. You said you also had some words of direction. I do have some words of direction. What would you say to to student, well, really youth pastors. I mean, that's who you're talking to. As a volunteer, you know, you've got that person who's in charge. The, they're leading the way. And you're saying, you're giving of them of your time and energy and effort to help them fulfill the ministry and focus that God has placed on them. Yeah. And so hopefully it's all in alignment, but sometimes you're just saying, I'm going to support you. And so what words of a direction would you have for them? So one of my biggest words of direction, and I say this every time I get this opportunity, is do not overlook look your girls in the ministry. Um, and that student ministry volunteers, whatever. So often, especially in Baptist churches, I have seen that there is so much opportunity for boys to be discipled. Um, for young boys to really connect in um, because youth pastors are primarily boys, like youth volunteers, um, the ones that are in more of a leadership role are primarily boys. It can be very disheartening for the girls to see their boy counterparts have all this opportunity. And it seems like you are just struggling to get women to pour into these girls. It's getting better. But one of my biggest pushes is to find that other half of your youth leadership um, that can come alongside the youth pastor or the youth volunteers and really speak to the girls and be their voice. For a lot of people, it's a youth pastor's wife. For some people, it's just another volunteer um, that the girls can come to and have that older woman who they can ask the tough questions who can pour into them, who can do Bible studies with them, give them a safe place to be themselves. Because as much as you try, if you're a male youth pastor, it can be very intimidating for a young middle school girl to come talk about hard things. 
And so that's always my biggest push is find a theologically sound um, woman that you trust who can come alongside you and help you and show you different ways to connect to the girls in your group. Yeah. What I love is as you're pointing out something that, that many of us struggle with, there's that tendency of there's the youth pastor and that's it. But we need to bring women alongside mm-hmm. um, in this process. We, I mean, and a lot of times, and you mentioned it, a lot of times that will be the youth pastor's wife. But that's not always the case. They may not have a gifting in that area. Mm-hmm. We need to realize that. Mm-hmm. And so we just need someone that can be there for those, those young women. It, it's, it protects the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. It protects um, and it provides something better for the young women too, to be able to have someone there who can love on them in a special and unique way. So, well, Amanda, we've got to wrap up today, but what do you have any other words that you want to share today? Um, really just thank you. Like you, because you are a youth pastor in addition to all of this youth family. And then to those listening, the youth pastors that are listening, the youth volunteers, thank you guys for doing this. Um, for raising this next generation to love God and to love others because that's that's all there is, right? That's all there is to this yeah. life is loving God and loving others. And you guys are in the trenches doing it. Um, and I'm just so thankful for that. Well, let me join Amanda and say thank you, listeners, uh, for for the work that you do, the students that you're loving on, and the sometimes very difficult and hard situations you're in. Uh, but we keep doing all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.